Hello, everybody. This is Anne and Brian from Amata World Podcast. And today we have our generative AI episode with Frankie Tabor, who is the founder of Fashion AI and as well as Generative AI Conference. Hi, Frankie. How are you? Very well, thank you. Can you please give some small introduction to yourself and a little bit tell us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, sure. So I'm a very creative person. I was dyslexic, not particularly good at school or university. But I remember reading Richard Branson's book when I was at boarding school and really thought, you know, that's the path I wanted to go down. And so in my early 20s, I didn't have a lot of sort of career opportunities available to me. It was sort of, you know, really boring jobs like being PA or working in real estate, things that I didn't really particularly see myself in. Uh, and at the time I just, you know, thought I really wanted to work in tech because that was where there was a real boom in entrepreneurship. So I went to loads of events and I landed myself in a startup. We were all in our early 20s and we were building out a social network. So very, very quickly, it was sort of baptism by fire. I was project managing a team in India and building out this Facebook application and then visiting universities, doing user requirements workshops. And pretty soon we were building out not only a social network, but all sorts of other functionality. Stanford, then mobile was all the rage. So we had to strip back the products and created this mobile app. And that was really, really interesting period of you know learning about entrepreneurship and startups then I worked for a series of other companies like Badoo which is a dating app which also has its origins in social media HelloFresh which is a meal kit company uh, a global meal kit company working on a sort of operations team and seeing how data would drive their operations and later on basically decided to operate as a sort of free agent, freelancing to begin with, and then eventually building out a team and agency and winning sort of clients. And it was during COVID-19 that I started to explore the world of Web3, NFTs, metaverse, games, transmedia. And my focus really at the time was on helping brands in sports, music, and fashion to move into the Web3 space. Started building communities, and that's really been my main focus area from then on building communities, working in content marketing events. And so now with this new trend, which is generative AI, I've been able to quickly pivot into this space and continue to build communities, but this time driven by competitions and AI generated competitions. And that's quite a diverse background. Can you dive into a little bit more about how you, know, you went from social media into generative AI? What was your like first encounter with and AI and what, what made you think that this was the future? Yeah, absolutely. Because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, my aim when it came to my career, although it's kind of zigzagged everywhere, was where can I have the most growth and learn the most? And I wanted to learn about different aspects of the business from the product and tech side, building technology. I studied software engineering at General Assembly. HelloFresh was really learning about operations and data and how you know one department can affect other departments. So for example, if it's a bank holiday weekend and it's beautiful weather and people aren't going to the factory to pack boxes, that's going to impact logistics and have this cascade effect on all other areas of the business. Likewise, if there's snow, that's also going to have an issue. So the aim really was to kind of go through different areas of the business and understand those as much as possible. And so more recently working on 
you know, the marketing content and community side of things, which is the area that really comes naturally to me. And I really enjoy supporting the creator economy. I think the biggest kind of link and insight for me from the social media days and the metaverse is the idea that the metaverse is just a 3D social network. So everything that we've designed originally in a social network also has to apply in the metaverse. So identity is super important because you are communicating to the wider network who you are. So then communities can form. But of course, nowadays with GDPR, with issues with privacy, with people being more private about their own identities, people are hiding who they really are in these online environments. So music, fashion, and games and sports becomes a way of communicating our identities. That's why I was really focusing on those areas in particular within the metaverse world. I'm actually very curious about the projects you're working on now with the Passion AI and the Generative AI Converge and AI Con. Can you tell a little bit more about that and give some examples so people can actually imagine it? Sure. So Fashion AI was originally a community in the Web3 digital fashion space. So as I said, I, I, I saw lots of people wanting to express their digital identities. So I started learning about digital fashion, digital fashion shows, avatars, um, and I wanted to participate in that world. And I was really inspired by Alexander McQueen and, and how pioneering he was in the fashion industry. He's a, one of the first designers to do live streaming. He had a hologram of Kate Moss. And there was one fashion show in particular called Atlantis, which was a story about what happens if sustainability, there are sustainability issues, sea levels rise, and we have to adapt to living underwater. So he told this story through his fashion show and the girls came out and had prosthetics and they became more and more like fish. And I was really inspired by this concept, which was tying in fashion and storytelling and sustainability. And I wanted to recreate it in the digital space. So I tried to do a digital fashion show and worked with people who are artists in Blender and Unity and Close 3D, you know, real sort of, again, baptism by fire, not really knowing what I was doing, but collaborating with people. And we had a great result, but it was costly. It was rather expensive and there wasn't a real return on investment there. So I continued to be interested in the fashion space and I was kind of waiting for that moment to come in. And it was February this year when I really saw the move from designers purely designing in digital fashion to then using generative AI. And as someone who doesn't have a background in fashion, I've never gone to university to study it. I'm not necessarily good with Unity and Unreal. I could then dive in and start to design again. And through that, I then wanted to build this community. And as a woman in the Web3 space, the fashion in industry in particular is a very inclusive industry for women in particular. So I really found, felt like I found my own kind of community there. And I wanted to develop that further. So I started doing these competitions. So on a weekly basis, come up with a theme for a competition, usually quite kind of random and fantasy related. So it'd be like a cross between Rococo style and sportswear. And you would have this new hybrid style of fashion that would emerge. And I just found that so invigorating. So that was really the starting point. And then I had an opportunity to work with a previous client of mine to launch the Generative AI conference. So it started with a three-day virtual conference. And then this year in June, we did a physical concert conference with London Tech Week 
which was part of AI Summit. And in the venue, which was Tobacco Docks, there are around about 4,000 people. Within our room, there are around about 200 people. So a great kind of first conference and really exciting to, to meet all sorts of people in the industry. 4,000 people is quite a lot. I mean, just like how, how did you manage to organize such a big conference, especially after the pandemic, I think? Yeah, so 4,000 people wasn't, we basically had a room within this wider conference. So we weren't responsible for the 4,000. That was another conference group, but we had a room with around about 200 people. And over the two days, our aim was on day one to focus on the creative industry. So how generative AI is impacting fashion, art, architecture, games, music, film, all of the creative industries. And day two was to look at some of the sort of the risks attached to it, you know, deep fakes, IP issues, AI ethics, all of these sorts of questions that people really need to unpack before they can kind of dive headfirst into this area. So amongst the conference attendees, like how was the reception to the technology? Was it from the say, viewpoint of a technologist, people who are already in the tech space? How about the creatives? How did they sort of look at this technology? Was it something exciting or something that's a, a threat to them? Yeah, I think everyone who was there were dabbling in it in one way or another. So many of them were creatives who have already started using Midjourney and Dali and Stable Diffusion. We also had some creative directors who are creating campaigns on behalf of big brands. We had some people who represented the tech side and had generative AI tools and wanted to promote those. Um, so yeah, a real mix of people, but that's essentially what you want in an event. You want, you know, a cross-pollination of ideas. Are you planning to do more of those conferences? Maybe like uh, even outside of the UK? Yes, absolutely. I think looking sort of globally at the generative AI market, San Francisco is obviously a massive hub for startups, especially within AI, places like Boston as well and New York. Then you've got Dubai that's very future focused and focused on the metaverse. And then, you know, Asia Pacific, they are quite ahead of us, especially when it comes to adoption of avatars and, uh, and, and that side of things. So I think there will be different locations that are good for different things. So again, an LA would be fantastic for games and film. That industry, Paris, Milan will be fantastic for, for fashion. And London as well is really good for innovative fashion. So we're trying to scope out the global market and find, you know, partners around the world who we can work with to scale this conference internationally. You mentioned something about that you had some filmmakers as well during this conference. Did they talk at all about the writer's strike and the worries about the losing the jobs? And Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, I, I spoke to someone who was actually in LA at the time who was promoting a kind of deep fake avatar technology and meanwhile and you know visiting all of these studios and meanwhile there was the, the writer's strike i think obviously there will be a whole slew of of different jobs that are really impacted from you know writers to photographers but i'm also i'm of the opinion of you know these tools can open up a lot of new possibilities especially for indie game developers and indie filmmakers. You know, you can spend a weekend coming up with a concept for a film, start writing a script, start writing, you know, the backstory of these characters. You can go into mid-journey, you can start to create some of the scenes. Then you can use Runway to start to tell part of a story. 
You can then go into the gaming world to build the digital 3D assets, build a game as well as the assets for an animation, and then look at, you know, creating a movie. So I think that's actually going to be the order of play. It's going to be less about films and then games. I think it will be games and then film will be the future. And, and a lot of transmedia where you're doing, you know, two, three things simultaneously. On that, actually, how, like, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people agree there's a lot of potential with this technology. But have you seen a lot of, say, adoption in the professional industry? Have people actually started using these tools in their, like, day-to-day workflow? I think there, there are, like, marketing agencies that are specifically dedicated to AI. So I think, you know, there's a lot of change management that's taking place. So in terms of brands adopting this technology, I think you have to look at some of the experimental brands who are already experimenting with NFTs in the metaverse. Those seems to be the sort of consumer brands who are willing to try these new technologies. So one example is Coca-Cola. They created an amazing um, campaign in what looked like the Louvre with different art pieces that would all sort of come alive with generative AI. And that was really, really amazing. And they also worked with the creator economy by opening up this competition, allowing AI artists to submit designs for a campaign. Um, And so I would say that they're a really good leading example of a brand using generative AI. I also, you can see a couple of these brands start to employ people specifically to look at generative AI. I think I think Disney are one of those companies, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yes, the, the usual big IPs uh, that are consumer facing will be looking at this, certainly Red Bull, for example, all of these sorts of companies. And I think the successful brands are collaborating with the creative community through competitions by inviting AI artists to come up with campaigns and having very strict guidelines of what goes through and what doesn't go through. Uh, So yes, I've definitely seen some really interesting work coming out. I think last week there was a joke circling around about Gen Gen AI, like Jennifer Lopez, like when you actually, I think it was a very funny marketing, (laughs) especially the video. It's just, it just reminded me what we had discussed on like another call, another chat with you and as well with metaphysic AI when you can actually take the AI likeness of a celebrity and after reuse and actually personalize the ad. So it kind of opens up additional doors for the marketing campaigns. Yes. No, I came across the, the yeah, the Gen AI ad that was brilliant. And yeah, I guess that was using motion capture. So I've done a bit of motion capture and that's really, really good fun and deep fakes. So yeah, there are certainly some generative AI technologies being used there, but not not strictly generative AI. Kind of more like what we discussed with metaphysics about the AI likeness and how celebrities probably will need to protect it. But yeah, I think just the, the example with Cola and when everything is produced with the generative AI even like description oh i even saw some of the bits for like films short films when they used one ai to write a script another ai to actually voice over some of the main characters and the third one is just to actually create the visual the whole video 
just using generative AI. It looks a little bit off still, but it's, it, it's kind of really cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, a younger generation who also likes, you know, NFTs and this pixel art and things that are unfinished and look really authentic and not too perfect. I think that, you know, there's a market for those sorts of meme style of, you know, a remake of Star Wars in a specific style that's slightly comedic. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see a lot of kind of fan art. Um, you know, we'll have to see legally if it does get deemed as fan art or if, you know, creators have to be a little bit more careful about what they start to create. But it's still a very great territory. Are you still doing those competitions for like the fashion industry? Is it still like every single week? Then? Yes, we, we do weekly fashion competitions. So yeah, anyone can sign up and join our Discord and, and start participating and learning how to use Midjourney and using the competitions as a great way to, to practice. And then, you know, we have some interesting prizes turning the 2D digital fashion designs to 3D digital fashion and digital fashion shows, or in some cases into physical fashion or exploring 3D printing and those sorts of things. So it's nice to turn some of these concepts and designs into something a little bit more tangible that could be monetized at some point. So on that note, how is the, like, how, how are these fashion designers approaching this new say digital medium, well, not necessarily fashion designers, but I guess any kind of creatives that you're working with, do you find it, how do they find the tools? Is it difficult for them to approach or do you think a lot of them are reaching a point, especially mid-journey, I think is well known for having, I guess, a more approachable system. Yeah, I guess once you've kind of got over the hurdle of joining Discord and subscribing to mid-journey, it can be very noisy in Discord, but there are loads of YouTube videos out there. There's documentation. The community itself is incredibly supportive. So it, again, it's, it's worth being in those Discord communities to ask for help when you need it. What we did on the fashion side of things is we started to reverse engineer the prompts and to identify, okay, what, what is the structure of a fashion prompt? So what people are mainly creating today is fashion photography. So it's full body fashion photography. Okay, so who is a photographer? And what is the the garment? And what material is it made of? And, you know, what is their pose? And where are they? So there are certain kind of data points that you need to, certain variables that you need to decide upon, and then you can craft, you know, the perfect fashion prompt. And at the same would apply for architecture or for creating a character in a game. And these are all of the visual tools. Obviously, there are many other generative AI tools that can create other forms of assets like text, whether you're looking at ChatGBT or music or 3D assets. So it's, it's very difficult to kind of compare because they're very different workflows. But yes. Okay. Um, I'm also really curious about the monetization aspect because I think you touched on it a little bit. How are these, I suppose... Um, new creatives looking at monetizing some of the, the work they're creating through AI? Very, very hard at this point because you need essentially the IP and, and the copyright side of things and the right licenses to go out and monetize something. So for example, you create some really cool 
Nike trainers, um, designs of some Nike trainers, you can't go and produce those because you'd be infringing the Nike brand. And a lot of design creators are using either brands that they love. It's a new form of kind of fandom, but it's like brandom. Or they're using celebrities that they really like. Some creatives will create a piece of artwork in generative AI, take it out, put it into Photoshop, and then take it into different tools and, and tweak it and change it and try and kind of find this loophole where they say that it's, you know, it's inspired by a brand or it's inspired by a celebrity, but it's it's different. However, legally that won't really work. So there will come a time where creatives will have to get licenses for, you know, using Monet style pattern and printing that on a t-shirt or on a makeup case or however they want to monetize. But those are some of the ways, you know, it's at a very basic level, it'll be things like, if you look at brand licensing, it will be things like, uh, you know, posters and t-shirts and other forms of, you know, toys or household goods, that there are all sorts of ways of taking the designs and then bringing them into the physical world uh, and monetizing in, in that way. I would say another way of monetizing is probably through making games, but that requires building a big team and understanding the economics of a game. So there, there are different ways of, of monetizing. I think at this point in time, it's probably more likely that people will be monetizing generative AI through creating content, whether it's, you know, ebooks or, uh, you know, e-learning courses and tapping into the power of chat GBT because, you know, the IP around information is, is a bit more kind of tenuous than if it's a brand or a celebrity. Probably brands will need to be to adopt like they adopted with like influencers with social media boom. And here they will need to find a way how to kind of start collaborating with designers, brand base or fan base, like as as you called it. Yeah, for example, if there is a musician that creates a song inspired by Eminem with Eminem's voice, there should be a mechanism for them to approach Eminem's team and try and, you know, get the rights to to publish it or, you know, to do some sort of rev share, sort of agreement between the rights holder and and the designer. So, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but there there's definitely a need to fix the legal aspect in order to to actually create this boom of a new creator economy around generative AI. Until then it's just going to be, you know, purely creative and entertainment uh, and a lot of content generation. And what are your hopes and predictions for the future of generative AI and probably for like your projects? I think it is exactly that. It's let's find a way to help creatives, you know, monetize their sort of generative AI works. And I'd love to see more amazing sort of indie games, indie films. I'd love to see more creative collaboration between artists as well. So there'll need to be tools to allow for people to work together as creative collaborative teams and to share in the revenue and uh, whether that's a DAO or an NFT or some other mechanism. So I, th I think those are 
the two main hopes for the future is, you know, I, I hope that the, the creator economy continues to evolve and that there's more creative collaboration amongst each other and with brands. Certainly, I feel like there's a lot of excitement in, you know, merging these two fields, the creative and technology fields, especially with the advent of, of AI. So I'm sure we'll see lots of interesting applications uh, and startups approaching this problem. So we're approaching the end of the podcast. So I'd like to leave a bit of time at the end just for you to, I don't know if you have any shout outs or how can people connect with you, find out a bit more about what you do in your projects. Of course. So I'm mainly on LinkedIn, so you can connect with me there. And then, yeah, it'd be great if you could follow some of uh, the projects I'm working on, whether it's the Generative AI Conference or Fashion AI and join on LinkedIn, on Discord. Um, and, you know, my calendar is, is fairly open. So I, I take calls with lots of people. I love to, to meet new people and to discuss opportunities. Great. We'll be sure to include all the links to all those in the description. Yeah. Thank you for finding some time to join us today. And... No worries. Well, thank you so much. So nice um, to meet you both. Yeah, nice to see you too. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.